Spoken is a podcast about nothing. It is not for children. The hosts will contradict themselves, and they are all amateurs. If you want any sense of professionalism in your podcasting, go somewhere else. There will be swears, the hosts will make themselves look like stupid crazy people, and only about half of the jokes will be funny. You have been warned. Hello all, and welcome to Spoken. I'm your host, the Grand Author, but you can call me Jory. It's your boy, straight from the caves on Mortis, the hopeful up-and-coming author, the pretentious proofreader, Riley. Did you just say you're trying to usurp my fucking throne? You know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. It's all very implied. Well, that's rude of you. Anyway, how have the last... Oh my god, it's actually been a week. We're recording on time. I just realized that. I mean, it's been, it's actually been a week plus one day, so you're still wrong. I I needed more time to write the script. Anyway, how was your week? You know, it's been pretty good. Uh, I had a revelation, uh, that came to me almost as if to come to me from God that I should be reviewing Ninja's comic book this weekend. That's right. That's my topic for the week, folks. Okay. Ninja the Twitch streamer, right? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I have not read whatever that is. I didn't even know he had a comic book. Yeah, so it's, it's not the greatest, we'll... but it also isn't as bad as you think it is. Okay, well, I guess we'll find out how... Isn't Ninja the one that said he didn't want to live stream with women? Uh, I didn't hear about that, but maybe... I'm pretty sure he did, because people kept, like, shipping him with every girl he streamed with, so he eventually just said, instead of improving my fan base and trying to regulate them, I'm just gonna not help women in the Twitch streaming services. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So great. I mean, you know, we can... We could at least uh, divulge from that information that he has the big virgin. Well, that and his walk at the Game Awards. So, you're going to be reviewing a comic that Hatsune Miku wrote. (laughs) Yes, that is a way to put it. Miku made this. Mm. So, what are you going to be doing this this episode, Yori? Well, I have been having feelings about J.K. Rowling, so this episode is about terrible representation. Also, uh, just to be entirely clear, I'm going to be calling you Yori throughout the episode because Jaden dared me to do it. Okay, weird thing about that. Um, I have been going to a bunch of job interviews recently, and I'm not going to like say where, but a bunch of people were like, oh, how do you pronounce your name? I've only seen it typed. And I was like, oh, Jory. And they were like, oh, really? I thought it would be Yori. And I was like, what? And then I remembered, like, it's yes. Bjorn in this area. <laughs> It's, There's a lot of yes spelled with a J. I'm getting off topic. Yeah, so I've been I mean, called Yori a few times. It, but I've like, been called Yori a few times this week, actually. That's that's pretty neat because you're going to be called it throughout the rest of this episode. Sure, hope you won't, but I guess you're going to. Look, I I do mo- I do things for jokes. I go pretty far. Well, anything else you want to talk about? Um, still haven't finished Mandalorian yet, which kind of sucks, but hey, uh, it'll hopefully be done with it by the time Clone Wars 7 is out. Um, oh, you know what, Netflix recently, or I think recently, 
I haven't been using Netflix mm-hmm. that much, so I don't know. I might have just missed it when it first happened. All of Symbionic Titan, the entire season, is now on Netflix. Yes, that was recently, and I'm very oh, psyched so, to watch it is that so good. once I'm done with Clone Wars Season 7. It is so good. I mean, it's also, like... I mean, it's written by Gendy Tarkovsky, so, like, how could it be bad? Tarkovsky. Yeah, it is. It's great, right? Isn't there a second T mm-hmm. in his name? There is, but I always forget that there is. I'm just really bad at pronouncing names. Yeah. For people who don't know... Also, most of the time, whenever I, like, listen to animation podcasts, they say Tarkovsky just to, like, save time, so I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, um, for those who don't know, Gendy Tartakovsky is also the guy who wrote Samurai Jack. And Dexter's Lab. Yeah. And Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Hey, Hotel Transylvania 1 is pretty good. So, like... Yep. Uh-huh. Debatably. I mean, it's not bad. And then there's mm. the third one, which is just weird. I'm not saying it's bad, but boy, is it weird. Goes off the wall with... It's almost like we're watching uh, the finale of Samurai Jack. I liked the final season. I liked the final season so of did Samurai I. Jack. I loved the except final. Except the last episode. I... The very last episode was... That's fair. Because I don't, um... You know, I really want to see, like, a spin-off show, like, called, like, you could call it, like, The Adventures of Samurai Jack, and it could be, it could be, it could take place in the future, like, you could have, it's just, like, an anthology series, where you just have, like, his adventures, even after he gets back, because, you know, he's an immortal now. It would be kind of cool to see that. I don't know. I, I just don't like, um, what was her name? I, I like her as a character, mostly, but at the... The daughter of a coup. What was her name? I know who you're talking about. Crap. I don't remember her name. Mmm. Gotta Google it. Ashi. That's what it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I also, I simultaneously love and hate that there was a very, like, so the Samurai Jack wiki was very painstakingly updated with, like, the status of every character alive and dead throughout the entire show. And then at the end of season five, yeah. just every single entry except Jack was rewritten to erased from existence. Mm. Like, oh, well, it's mm, still accurate, but oh. Yeah. I mean, I really wish we could keep that uh, Irish, si- Scottish cyborg. That guy was fun. Yeah. I miss Anyway, him. Uh, as I was saying, so I like Ashi. I don't like that they made ashi and jack's relationship romantic i liked them as like a student teacher kind of thing and then they got married i mean i don't know anakin the anakin skywalker obi-wan yaoi is kind of interesting so (sighs) why must you do this to me because it's quite funny all right anyway the point is gendy is very good he's a very good writer and i like Oh, I yeah. like Cyber uh, Symbionic Titan very much. It is. He got, like, he was originally going to make, like, a short about, like, for Superman for the old DC Nation block that got canceled, and I really want to see it because it looks so good. I do have one more thing to say about Gendy. I, okay. Symbionic Titan. It is good, but it was written, like, early 2000s, so. So much of it is very, very dated. It's still good. I still love it so much. I Am Octus is such a great episode. Oh my god, easily my favorite. I, mm. It's so great. 
but Mm -hmm. it has a lot of like notions about high school that are very very dated Mm. like specifically it does a lot of it does a lot of like stereotypical 90s high school stuff where it's very clicky and uh the popular kids are just the ones that don't talk much and like oh, he's tall and has dark hair and he's kind of broody. Of course he's super popular, which, like, that, that does uh, yes, not hold true edge. anymore. Oh, the edge. I mean, my high school was pretty clicky, but it wasn't that clicky. And we were, like, an exception because we were an extremely small town. Mm. Most high schools are not like that anymore. Yeah. Anyway, other than being kind of pretty dated, it's a really good show. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited for you to watch it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to get around to it, but the problem is I got two different... I got so many shows in my backlog right now. I'm trying to get through The Witcher, which is really good. I'm just not through it yet. Then I finished The Mandalorian, then Clone Wars Season 7, which is top of the list the instant it drops, and then Symbionic Titan, and then It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Didn't I recommend a show you have to watch? Probably. First of all, you have to watch Code Lyoko. <sighs> okay, I might, eventually. It's 100 episodes, it's all on YouTube, it's free, you can binge the whole thing, it's <sighs> great. Okay. Wasn't there something I wanted you to watch? I think it was in the previous episode. No, no it wasn't, hold on. I don't remember. Uh, but you do have to read my book. Still. Yeah, I do. Well, all the drafts. And I have to beat Fallen Order, still. It was a video game I recommended you, wasn't it? What was it? Hollow Knight. You have to play Oh, Hollow yeah, Knight. that wasn't on air. Uh, Like I said, that's way deep on my backlog. It's behind Ori. It's very good, though. I know it is. It's like all like 2D animation, like traditional animation. It is so good. Oh, my God, I cannot mm-hmm. begin to imagine how they made all of it. It must have taken literal, like, decades and whole, like, teams of artists. Okay, not decades, but it did take a bit. So, there's an old saying in the Alphabet Mafia that any representation is good representation. This mentality isn't new. It's been a given truism for marginalized groups for decades. Uh, In a vacuum, from a completely objective standpoint, when children see people like themselves represented in media, it raises their self-esteem, and when they see people unlike themselves, it normalizes their existence. The problem is, of course, not all representation is created equal, and none of it exists in a vacuum. Representation, like most sociological and literary terms, is ultimately a neutral term. Having representation is, if done with even the small amount of effort, a good thing. The problem lies with lazy attempts to cash in on the idea of representation without J.K. Rowling. The problem is J.K. Rowling and other writers like her. And Where'd he go, Harry Potter lady? Don't get me wrong, there are way more things wrong with the, quote, wizards relieve themselves wherever they wish and vanish the evidence, unquote, lady. <laughs> She's got a lot of problems. Nah, fam, that stuff is great. I love those really dumb additions to, like, lore that make absolutely no sense because they're funny Have as Have you all heard hell. about the Hufflepuff jack-off orgies? <laughs> no! <laughs> Those are canon. She said so, and she's uh, the author. Anyway. I love it. I love every little bit of what you just said. She's got a lot of problems, without even mentioning the fact that she wrote Goblins, an inherently Jewish-coded fantasy race 
as a bunch of short, angry, big-nosed bankers that control all the gold. Oh, oops. I mentioned it. To get back on track, many people already know that the Harry Potter series- Master has presented Dobby with a Glock. <laughs> Mater has given Dobby a gun. <laughs> Uh, oh wait, remember that one time we were at D and D and uh there was the <laughs> uh Harry presents Dobby with a very special sock, uh should I say? Okay, I'm moving on before you continue that story. <laughs> because I do remember it and I wish I didn't. To get back on track, many people already know that the Harry Potter series, which for the record, I loved as a child and I deeply enjoyed until very recently. It's full of... problems. To put it lightly, she's a slightly better than average writer most of the time, and she has a lot of old prejudices and bigotry she's holding on to that... Okay, well, let's just say it's hard to go back to those books now that I have literally any experience examining and understanding media on any level other than the most shallow surface imaginable. I could go through listing mm. every single point in the books that are homophobia, transphobia, Unintentional racism, sexism, and, you know, just general bigotry bleed through onto the pages. There's a lot of classism, too. But that would be a, too long to rant about, even for me. And I spent over an hour talking about Steven Universe last episode, despite the fact that I hate that show. And everything... Was that over an hour? I don't think it was, because I just, like, finished the episode yesterday. It was. I had to cut out. The first I had to cut out it. so much. Oh. Huh. Yeah, it was over an hour, even though I hate that show, and everything I mentioned had already been said in many less words with much stronger arguments by more talented people. I just specifically want to talk about her problem with representation. Specifically queer representation, because I'm a queer person with some degree of knowledge about queer studies, although Cho Chang and Najini are certainly something that happened, aren't they? So, a few weeks after Deathly Hollows was published, in October of 2007, uh, 12 years ago, the Queen of Bad Takes on her own work made headlines when she declared that Albus Dumbledore was actually gay the whole time. And when critics began to point out the fact that there was no actual evidence for that claim in the books that she wrote, she defended herself by saying that the books were about Harry's story, and Dumbledore being gay was never essential to the plot. And now, this is bullshit, and it was always bullshit. But at least back in 2007, she had some degree of plausibility. Mm. Then... The first of the many heads of the Hydra of Bigotry rose to the surface of her shitty writing when she began to fill in the backstory of her world and its characters. For those of you who didn't read or watch the prequels, The Crimes of Grindelwald specifically, hi, welcome to the club. I looked up a plot summary to fill in what I didn't learn about it from cultural osmosis. I am never going to watch those movies. You see, I have yet to uh, fully read a Harry Potter book or watch any Harry Potter movie, but I'm aware of a lot of it through pop culture osmosis. Yeah, so. you don't have to read them. There are better books. Anyway. Yes. So I looked up a plot summary. To make a long story short, Rowling implied that Dumbledore and Grindelwald had a connection that brought Dumbledore immense guilt. And that was as much as she elaborated on it for a long time. 
People assumed this was implying the two of them used to be a couple, and that the guilt Dumbledore felt was about loving a dangerous wizard criminal who became a monstrous menace to the world. Ah, uh, yes. Wizard Kismasis. Uh, no, like, people just thought they were dating, and then he became a criminal. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, no, that got retconned hard. I know that for a fact. Oh, it was never... Uh, she never made that canon. She just said that Dumbledore had feelings about Grindelwald and was guilty about it and phrased it in the most horrible way because it was a bit of a disappointment and more than a little bit of gross unintended connotation to bring her to her children's book series when Grindelwald revealed at the end of the movie that actually he was Dumbledore's long-lost brother. I'd say spoilers, but Uh, honestly, who cares? I didn't even know that. Oh my... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh boy those movies oh were boy. a terrible cash grab and no one saw them i mean my sister saw them and she didn't even know about that twist because it was so lame and weird and shoehorned in at the end i literally like was reading her this script earlier today and she was like wait what they were brothers when did that happen and i had to read her the plot summary and then she said oh yeah like, she saw the movies, and she didn't even note this, because, like, it doesn't matter. And it's just weird, and no one cares. So, I don't even... Does it even count as a spoiler? No one's gonna see these movies. Anyway, uh, what Rowling was... I mean, no, I'm going to do it specifically because you said no one is going to see these don't movies. Don't give her your money. Please don't. Uh, Alright, fine. Fine. So... Oh, maybe I could just take it from a friend. I mean, I have plenty of friends that are Harry Potter fans that probably wouldn't mind giving up trash fires of movies, so why or if not? it ever ends up on, like, who owns it? It was Universal Studios, right? Does Disney own Universal Studios yet? No, not yet. They have not gotten that far into the Monopoly, because if they had, J.K. Rowling would have probably been uh, removed from the Wizarding World already. And, man, probably, because they would have worked on making more movies and they might have actually had like two seconds of gay characters on screen which ironically would have been an improvement anyway what rowling is doing is essentially an even more insidious version of queer baiting the practice of making it look like two characters in a piece of media might be gay to attract a queer audience and then revealing they were straight all along to avoid dealing with censors and bigots Rowling, though, Mm. won up to that problematic practice, practically perfecting it, even. Instead of merely having characters that have been interpreted as queer by her fanbase, she took to Twitter to tell her readers that, actually, even though there was no textual evidence to support it, Dumbledore was gay all along. And wow, guys, isn't she so progressive? Isn't she so great for daring to have a gay character in a children's book series? Isn't it just amazing that she'd be willing to do that? Mm. Well, no, because the only progressive, daring, and amazing thing about having a gay character is actually, you know, having that character be gay in the books. Mm. If you read the books and you didn't know about her weird tendency to tweet about how cool she is and how brave a writer she is, you never would have known that Dumbledore was gay. Actually, as she put it, let me open up because I reposted it to Instagram because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Let's see. Oh. Um, I guess we're going off copy here. Yeah. Uh, as uh, 
as quoted, Dumbledore and Grindelwald had an intense sexual relationship. Meaning, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Wait. Oh, I forgot she said that. Yeah. Oh my god. Why would she do this? I don't know, but it's funny to repost on Instagram, so I'm okay with it. I have absolutely no investment in this franchise, so... Well, that doesn't change the fact that she didn't say that in the books or movies. That's fair. So, how exactly does that count as representation? I mean, the it answer is it probably doesn't. shouldn't, yeah. Not in a way that matters, anyways. The only reason representation is considered a good thing on the whole is because it exposes people of one culture, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, or whatever, to another, so that they can help understand the other way of being human and accept it as normal. By writing Dumbledore in a way that never, ever addresses the question of his sexuality, even in the prequels, where she had the opportunity to, and many of her fans asked her to, she managed to slap gayness on him after the fact, in a manner that never actually represented gay people. What she wanted was to get points for having a gay character without having to deal with the consequences, specifically backlash from her homophobic audiences. Mm. Instead, once it became obvious to everyone around her that she was never, ever going to bother actually representing queer identities, large swaths of her fanbase turned their backs on her for trying to take the safe route towards using gay people as a marketing strategy. In essence... She showed the queer community that, to her, they were nothing more than a means to make her books more popular, and that she didn't really care about them unless they were paying her. On top of that, she also showed that she didn't even care about getting their money more than she cared about appealing to her homophobic audience. Mm. And then, recently things got really turfy and horrible, but that's a story for another time. Dang it, I didn't know about this, and I want to hear about it, but that's fine. Audience at home, tune in to episode 3000, where we'll actually get to that topic, because I'm an insufferable boy who talks too much. And now we get to transition into uh, my little bit that I like to call... Riley decides to read a comic book that he thought was going to be trash, but it actually ended up being better than some officially made comic books by the big two. Uh, or in this case, the comic book written by Ninja, uh, The Most Dangerous Game. So, uh, the plot synopsis of this one is take the plot of Spy Kids 3, then mix it with The Hunger Games, and, uh, and put in... BS resurrection magic for absolutely no reason. And then Which one you, was Spy Kids 3? Uh, the oh, one that was they, the... The SAO that one. That was the Matrix one, right? Yeah, yeah, the SAO one. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so essentially what happens is... Uh, so we start off with our protagonist, uh, the greatest streamer of all time, Ninja. And he Jesus Kun? <laughs> Jesus Kun. Ha sorry, sorry. That's what people call Kirito. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Now, because uh, in this comic, he's the actually, Mary Sue is the Mary Sue that ever exists. Yeah, surprisingly enough, Ninja isn't actually a Mary Sue in this comic. He's a better writer than the person who wrote Sword Art Online. Well, that's not a very high bar, but continue. All right, so we start with uh, not Mary Sue Kirito. As he's just playing a fantasy battle royale. Now, since this is a kid's book, you can't have guns, so it has to be swords. But, I mean, it's interesting. As he kills two of the bad guys in-game and calls them, quote-unquote, noobs. 
God, I love this comic already. Uh, so hmm. I'm mainly just focusing on this opening bit because it's the funniest part of the comic. It's really nothing else of note afterwards. So anyways, the other players that he considers his friends, uh, whose name I don't remember except for the Vegeta-style rival named Killer, who, fun fact, ends up becoming basically a serial killer, but also friends with Ninja at the same time, which is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, we meet up with them, and nothing really comes out of it. They fight. Uh, Ninja gets killed and uh, by some random person that we never really hear from again in the game. And they, uh, the response, in my head at least, is that one uh, YouTube clip of the 10-year-old that killed Ninja and starts screaming about it. God, I hope that's canon in my eyes, just letting y'all know. So from there, Ninja gets a package from our Lord and Savior Bezos, and he is transported to the Spy Kids 3 world. I mean, not exactly, but I still say that because it's funny and kind of evocative, I guess. So from there, he fights in a battle royale against a hundred other people. And uh, it's uh, you die in the game, you die in real life scenario. Except for the fact that most of his friends form a party, except for the aforementioned killer, who goes off on his own, forms his own party, and then kills everyone in it. Because there's a mechanic in this quote-unquote game that the more people you kill, the more powerful you get. Well, while Killer's doing this, there's this other rival character we meet who acts like he knows Ninja very well, but we never really get to learn about their history together, and they start fighting. Ninja beats him because he has plot armor, and then some other stuff happens. It turns out the game is actually run by an interdimensional tyrant who's hell-bad on simulating everyone into the game eventually over time. Ninja starts a rebellion against an interdimensional tyrant. And he fights Killer. He fights some mini-bosses. Well, he fights a mini-boss, and then at the end of this volume, another mini-boss is foreshadowed by uh, turning Killer into a sentient weapon. And uh, that's basically how it ends. It's all very weird. That's but weird. Yeah, still well, better. Well, I mean... Oh, still better than uh, Identity Crisis. It, mm. So, on the one hand, that is weird. On the other hand, I can think of at least, like five anime that have that exact premise and that's not even counting the like thousands of manga that never make it that far yeah and the light I mean, novels it's all extremely weird because it basically takes a whole bunch of tropes and mashes them into the one it's actually very voltron-esque which I liked, which I find funny because i'm that one guy who absolutely does not care for voltron at all so huh I guess Ninja... Oh, the, of... um, the five-man team thing? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, a lot of stories are just collections of tropes. It's really a matter of, like... Yeah. I mean, this one well doesn't really do that much else outside of the tropes. I mean, other than, I guess, changing the standard shonen rival to a serial killer, which is pretty interesting. I honestly enjoyed the parts where Killer was doing his own thing, training up to try to beat Ninja. But, yeah... Yeah, seems a bit paint by numbers, which is, uh, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, which is why I'm officially giving this one a uh, D minus out of uh, S plus. Look, this this is a passable story. There's nothing really bad about it. It's pretty inoffensive, but also like y'all could do way weirder stuff than this and get away with it. You, 
your target audience is eight-year-olds that play Fortnite. They aren't going to be paying attention to the plot. Just go off the walls, guys. Come on. Yeah, I mean, if there's not going to be a fun original gimmick, then what's the point? Yeah. I guess if the, like, actual character writing and the every, and all of that is good enough... Again, the character writing is really pretty much passable. I mean... You can tell that Ninja kind of cares about this project because he did put in a little bit of work writing cohesive character arcs. So, hmm. there's that. Right. Like, it's not bad, but it's so inoffensive that I kind of don't want to read the second volume, but I will for you guys because, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to review comics that I thought are think are going to be terrible but end up being kind of good. So now I'm going to recommend a ton of Isekai because I know that you don't like Isekai for some reason, but it's the best. <sighs> It is not the best. I hate you. It is the best. It's the best kind of anime. All other anime pales in comparison to Isekai. You're wrong, but okay. So you should really watch and then read that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I keep one of my hearing favorite. that it's good, but also I keep hearing it's that so Overlord good. is good, and I hate Overlord. So Overlord like... is also really good. I mean, the first season is okay, but like by the time season three comes around, it's so great. You have to keep watching. It's the same with My Hero Academia. A lot of anime start out kind of bland and then get better as they get into their story. I, I mean, mean, that's fair. The first four acts of Homestuck. Come on. Homestuck's the best isekai okay. I've ever read. And it's, but counterpoint, it starts out so slow. I could just go back and rewatch Castlevania, which starts off amazing and continues that uh, hot streak for the rest of the series. I mean, yeah, you could, but... That would be boring, and the I only way to improve as a writer is to continue to consume different kinds of media. Yeah, alright. I'm I'll consider more isekais. I don't know, maybe I'll eventually finish Sword Art Online. Don't tell uh what? Yeah, no. I never finished it. I've only ever started it like twenty times. I've watched the original Sword Art Online up until the first half of Gun Gale, and then I just it's it sucks. I mean, I've actually heard that so Gungale is where it gets better, and then uh, the Sword Art Online 3 stuff happens, and it just goes way downhill. Okay, Gungale was... Okay, how do I put this? Gungale was better than Fairy Dance. Mm, I mean, literally everything on this planet bar. is better than Fairy Dance, so... Yeah, and then the second half of Season 2 of Sword Art Online was fairy dance again yeah and then alicization came around and i i literally don't know what the fuck they were thinking from what i've heard alicization is basically just an acid trip i mean yeah so i've read some of the plot summaries and it's so like is sort of online but actually it's real it's like a real fantasy world without video game mechanics but also it is still a simulation that they stumble into from alpine but also it's not it's an actual parallel world but no it isn't what <laughs> if you want to actually uh see good sword art online content watch the bridge yeah and if you like sword art online i'm not i'm never going to retract these statements so, yeah, Sword Art Online is hot, hot garbage, and here's why. No, I'm not going to give you a complete list, uh, it's, but, yeah. It's not good. I'm not going to say it's the worst anime ever made, but it's not good. But whatever. I mean, there's better anime than Death Note, but Death Note will still always hold a special place in my heart because it was my first anime. 
Ah, you see, Cowboy Bebop will always hold a special place in my heart because it's Cowboy Bebop. That's fair. It, it wasn't even my first. I just Titan watched Cowboy first. Bebop one time and I loved it. And then there's Attack on Titan and Hetalia, which we're just gonna just gonna put in the bin. We're gonna put the talk. we're gonna put in the bin of uh, pro Nazis. Yeah, we're just gonna put that in the Nazi bin and. Yeah. We're gonna, and then Keep we're gonna in take, mind the fact and then we're gonna that Japan take, was on the side of the Nazis. Yeah, and then we're going to take Wii Music and also put it in the Nazi bin. So, there's this... Okay, every now and then there is this movement in, like, the anime and manga community, the weeb community, mm. that people, like, try to be like, you can't appropriate Japanese culture. And it's like, Japan, first of all, First of all, Japan, like, wants you to consume their culture. They are a cultural superpower. That's what they do. They yeah. make anime and manga and kimonos, and they export weird candy and stuff. Like, that's their thing. They mm. export technology, and they export culture, and those are their two industries. So, yes, technically you could negatively appropriate Japanese culture, but usually you're not. Yeah, it's... I mean, if you're appropriating Nazis, are you really doing a bad thing? And that's the other thing. Like, cultural appropriation is a neutral term. It's a sociological term, like mm -hmm. I was talking about earlier in my segment. And, like, it is not appropriating Japanese culture to make an anime-inspired, like, show or manga or anything. It is not appropriating Japanese culture to wear a kimono or do, like, their whole thing because they export their culture as a product but also cultural appropriation is a very like difficult thing to measure because there's not really a line between sharing culture positively and appropriating culture harmfully but generally and this is not always the case but generally if it's a culture that like colonized the culture it is appropriating then it's a bad thing and I think a lot of people like to forget that Japan is an empire, or was an empire for a very long time. They were the colonizers for a uh, very yes. long time. There's a reason that uh, Great Britain likes to use the C word, and it's because they were the colonizers. Mm. Anyway, that's a whole heavy topic. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to make a little bit of light out of it, because that's kind of my shtick on this show. Anime good, Japanese culture good, the parts of Japanese culture that are inherently racist and homophobic and xenophobic. Bad. Uh, yeah. Like, look, it's not cultural appropriation if you uh, hate the fae from D&D, &D, because those bitches will get you murdered if you aren't watching close enough. That isn't even a racist stereotype, that's just... How they operate. Anyway, let's move the topic as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did you watch the new OSP video that came out yesterday? I actually just watched it before we started recording, yeah. So, I want to talk about anti-heroes. Okay. I mean, if, it's a, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. As long as I'm allowed to commentate over it, uh, hysterically. I mean, I want to have a conversation about anti-heroes. Okay, like, again, cool with it. Just expect jokes. It's a comedy podcast. Of course expect jokes. 
Is it a comedy podcast? I th- I'd I say it's just more of a talk podcast genre. that I try to bring comedy to. I don't think it fits into any genre, really. But jokes are accepted and encouraged. I mean, anyway. I did get my... Uh, I did get a normie friend to listen to this, and they liked it as a comedy podcast, so that means I'm doing something right at the very least. And when you left a few, yeah. a few of your jokes, too, so like, meh. Hmm. Did they like the episode with Lizzie in it? Oh, speaking uh, of which, she should be here next weekend. I only got possibly. them to listen to episode two, but they liked it, so. Well, well they should listen to the rest. Anyway, I know. So, antiheroes. I would like to talk about antiheroes. Specifically, I want to talk about uh, Belial from The Darkest Chronicles, the book. Oh, okay. So we're going to our weekly segment of plug, 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 plug. I mean, a little bit. I just like talking about my creative projects. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, I will need you to get me to write my book at some point. At some point. Today, tomorrow, this weekend. Uh, tomorrow, probably. Because I'm also going to need you to get me to finish my homework before finals. Alright. So, Belial is a tragic character. Uh, So, a lot of... I wrote a bunch of epithets for various characters, the five main characters specifically, of the Darkest Chronicles. And, um, do you remember what Belial's was? Uh... I don't remember exactly what his epithet was, but isn't he the guy that's a cross between Lucifer and Michael? Mmm, to fuck? Uh, I don't know, alright? I only, like, look, the last time you in-depth explained these things to me was, like, four months ago. Okay, no. I don't even know where you got that. I don't I remember like where I got that characters. from either. I think I am too. Okay, so Belial is the reincarnation of Bethile from Prelude to or yeah, from Prelude to a Journey. Oh, okay. Now I know who you're talking about. That took me a second. Yeah, the one with the big old wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. Big old it, skeleton wings. The that parasite took me wings. like a bit of a second. Yes. So his whole deal is his epithet is the misguided zealot, and his whole deal is that he is constantly being misled and lied to. Specifically, mm-hmm. uh, he is told that his mission on Earth is to stop the Dark One, who is going to cause the end of all life in the entire galaxy, which is Wrong. just a lie. Yeah. It's, it's just flat out a lie. Uh, because the people who told him that were wrong. Yeah. Because they misinterpreted the prophetic texts. I mean, but they only did that because the version of you inside the text told a god to have them do that. So, like, eh. Well, no, it, okay. It, hmm. You have gone two levels higher than it actually was. Oh. In complication. So, you know Wait. what? We're just not going to get into that. Yeah. We're just, you know what? That doesn't matter. The point is he is misguided. His whole thing is that he believes that the entire galaxy will be devoid of all life if he fails. So he becomes completely obsessed with stopping the Dark One at any cost. No matter the human life that he must extinguish along the way, no matter what he must do and who he must fight, as long as the Dark One is destroyed, he considers what everything that he is doing justified. And everything Uh, that he is going to do 
Nope, that is a different character. No, I mean, like, it results in the Darkest One's existence, pretty much. It, it, technically. Anyway, that's a different character. Um, We already talked about that one on episode two. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay, so, uh, I consider Belial an antihero. But as uh, Red pointed out on the antihero episode of Trope Talks, antihero doesn't actually like mean anything. Mm. And yes, when she went over that in detail, it made me start thinking about why I consider him that. And I still do think he is an antihero, but like. She made a good point, which is it's basically impossible to write an antihero on purpose. Mm-hmm. And while I did eventually like come to consider him an antihero, I didn't write him that way at first. Mm. He eventually, like, I wrote him as a character first, and then I classified him as a character second. Which I think is a very important thing to do in general that's how i try to do all of my character work i try to make believable characters that work in the story first and then figure out what the story like i try to make them realistic basically Mm. you see uh at least my uh philosophy with writing this short story is there is exactly three characters it does not matter what you see them as because it's supposed to be funny just roll with it because you could technically consider two of the three characters to both be the protagonist and the antagonist of the entire story, which is, I really like that flexibility. All right. Well, anyway, um, so Belial's whole thing is that he believes himself to be infinitely justified because no matter what he has to do, it will always be outweighed by the fact that he is saving the entire galaxy and all life in it. And because of that, he does a lot of fucked up shit. Wait a minute. What if he was to destroy the galaxy on his own? Hmm. I mean, he doesn't go that far. He does end up uh, almost destroying an entire city with millions of people in it a couple of times. Whose fault is that, Jory? Yeah, mine. If he had a nickel for every time he almost killed everyone in Bleak City to get vengeance on the Dark One, he'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. God dang it, why are you quoting the Phineas and Ferb movie here? It's a really good movie. It's a really good show. The Swampy Swampy Verse is full of really good shows. Yeah. Uh, So, Jaden and I recently watched the Star Wars crossover, which was fun. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. In, In the, the Empire. Empire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go get Darth Vader's socks. Uh, so dumb. But also, like, someone must actually have that job in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Like, that's... He has servants whose job it is to, like, get his clothes and do his laundry and stuff. Like, like that is a real thing. Like, it wouldn't be stormtroopers, but it would be, like, an actual high-ranking official, which I find to be even funnier. Well, yeah, because, like, they can't trust any old servant to do Darth Vader's laundry. What if they put a bomb in it? It has to be, like, a trusted member of the Imperial Order to get Darth Vader's socks. Oh my god, Admiral Piet had to get Darth Vader's socks, and that's why Darth Vader trusted him so much in Empire Strikes Back. Oh my god. <laughs> like, the more you pick apart that kind of stuff, it's it's just such a great, like... 
deconstruction and what is the word? It's such a good example of why imperial systems never work. Imperial systems like that specifically. Mm-hmm. So like like the German Empire from World War One, like it would never work because of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like authoritarianism. It's such a good refutation of authoritarianism yeah. because the lengths you would have to go to to install a bureaucracy to run that big of an empire when you are that much of a menace to everyone in it is absurd. It would never work. It would become so top-heavy, it would just fall over immediately. Which, I mean, if you look back on actual real-world empires, that is what happened. Mm. Anyway, I think that's the end of that segment, and it's time to start the plugs. Oh, alright, this is going to be a pretty short episode. Yeah, it actually is, which is fine. We can do a longer one next week. Yeah. So I'm going to cut the recording, and then we can do plugs. Alright. All right, well, I think that'll wrap up our episode this week. We'll come at you with a longer one next week, probably, where we get on a bit more rants, especially because there is a possibility of Lizzie actually being on. Uh, Only a possibility because it's her, but still. I mean, let's be entirely fair here. Even if she isn't on, I will intentionally drive this podcast off the rails because this was way too short, in my opinion. But it was so concise, and it'll it be was so much concise, easier for me to I'm, edit. Yes, but also, you know, I mean, the viewer is going to want to listen to more content, so. Even if it's bad, listless content? Anyway. It works uh, for the perfectly generic podcast, man. I mean. All right, all right. <laughs> so, you can find me on Tumblr at uh, the-grand-author-ne for networking entertainment. You can find me on Instagram at the Grand Author, all one word, all lowercase. You can find me on Twitter at at t, uh, tga underscore ne, and you can find my website at networkingentertainment.com. And you can find me at well on the Discord, which is linked to the uh, which is linked on the website rather, should I say? And uh, then you can find our subreddit. Say r slash the uh, grand projects you know we actually have one post on there now uh, which is pretty cool shouldn't there be two what shouldn't there be two one for yours one for mine there should be and i probably will no there's actually should be three because i also need to post mine all right i'll do that tonight oh yeah we're not doing honesty loves company this week yeah sorry about that i couldn't think of any questions Neither could I. We're all both way too big open books. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with a new segment to do. Yeah. Anyway, right. continue with your plugs. Yeah, you can find me on The Grand Projects. I am both of the moderators there, uh, so that's cool. And you could also find me at The Pretentious Gamer on Twitter and... Uh, my i'm also the i think i'm also the pretentious gamer on tumblr i'm not sure i'd have to check but i'm too lazy to do that right now i'm not you're following me so i can just go in my following feed. yeah i have 150 followers on tumblr who do you think you're the pretentious boy actually the pretentious one word sorry yeah and you don't uh, have a title on your blog whatever i don't know how to do that 
you just go into edit appearance. This is a conversation for another time. I mean, or just off air in general. Mm. Wait, no, we should do an entire episode de- dedicated to you doing a tutorial level for me on Tumblr. Oh my god, yes. Just, like, going over all the horrible things about Tumblr and all the, like, weird coding issues. Like, the fact that fan mail has been discontinued for, like, five years, but you can still get fan mail. Because the t- the staff never actually got rid of it, they just got rid of the button. So if you know the URL and the blog existed at the time, you can still do it, which is stupid. Hey. Uh, it's hilarious. Alright, and, uh, yeah, so are we going on to reactions? Uh, not quite. Uh, you can find oh. me at Twitch at, uh, Grand Sucks at Streaming, and on YouTube at Grand Sucks at Gaming. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel. And you can find me on both, uh, Twitch and YouTube as Rewind Gamer. And, uh, yeah, so... Now I think we can transition into the funny thing. So, I have a screen cap from Twitter. Average Joe at jazz underscore in my pants says, There are children being born whose parents were not alive when Shrek came out. Crazy how the years start coming and they simply do not stop coming. God damn it, I, I saw that one. Alright, um... Oh, uh, holes. Here's one by you slash space uh apostle, apo- space apostle apostle on our okay. That's how you say that on our slash shower thoughts. Uh, holes two thousand three is Shawshank Redemption for kids. Is it? I, I don't mean, think it is because it's I mean, not really an escape. Yeah. Any kind of it. Mm. I mean, like it has the prison aesthetic. I mean, it is kind of a prison. It's a reformatory boarding school thing, but, like, well, boarding yeah. camp. But there's no, like, escape. I mean, there is an escape, but they literally just walk into the desert. They just walk away. Yeah. They don't have to crawl through miles of unfiltered filth. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of actual Shawshank Redemption for kids now, but I can't think of anything else, so I guess it is. So that's what, well, that's the official response until you can come up with something better. And then you can make an and angry uh, Tumblr blog post about it. All right, well, we will see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but you'll listen to us or you'll listen to us in the future. I'm getting off topic. Goodbye. Later, gamers. <laughs>